Hello and welcome to episode 200 of section 138. It's the big 200 and it's a big moment for us. A new logo for our podcast on social media, a new cover art for our podcast on every single podcatcher. Big shout out to our good friend Sarah who designed the new cover art and logo for our podcast. We may have a new look. The Blue Jays lineup may have a new look. But uh, the offensive production certainly does not. Blue Jays lose 2 of 3 to the Tampa Bay Rays. Bryson, how are you feeling? Well, that's news to me that it's 200. I like it. I like the new look. This is, I think, our third ever logo that we've done. Second one for Section 138. So it's a pretty big change. And honestly, we've had that logo for years. So this is a definitely interest, a new interesting look. And like you said... The lineup, finally, Jacob and I got our wish about that, and um, the same result happened this weekend, though. Two out of three, you lose to the Rays, and unfortunately, that is another series loss for the Blue Jays, and now they are just one game above five hundred. Another frustrating weekend, I think, to say the least, and um, I guess we'll leave it there, and we can talk about it today. Things could have gotten worse, I guess, if you want to look at the positives. They could have lost all three games and been one game under five hundred right now, but as it stands things still went pretty badly. So let's start with the lineup shakeup because that was, I think, sparked by the fact that George Springer was out with an ankle sprain. We saw the play in center field. He jumped against the wall, did not look good, landed awkwardly, very reminiscent of that moment in Seattle last year when he jumped and messed up his knee. Um, He stayed in the game initially, taken out of the game a little bit later, and sat For Saturday's game, the Blue Jays shake up the lineup. They move Matt Chapman to the leadoff spot, bump Vladimir Guerrero Jr. and Teoscar Hernandez up one, and move Bo Bichette to four, Santiago Espinal to five. Seems to work. The Blue Jays do have better approaches at the plate, and then there's an eighth inning where they score a whole bunch of runs. It's only their second four-run inning since April 25th, and blows away a lot of the run production over entire games that they've had over that span, entire series at points, but uh, it doesn't carry over to Sunday. They get shut out for the third time this season, already matching the total of shutouts that they had in 2021. Um, you guys were pining for the lineup shakeup. What are your thoughts? We finally see it happen. Doesn't totally have the intended effects, but at the same time, you do get some better approaches at the plate. What are your thoughts? Well, I'll tell you this. You know, you pretty much mentioned that right as you were leading, I guess, me into this. Yes, this is something that I think, you know, a lot of the fan base has also been reaching or pretty much hoping for, talking about. This has been an area of conversation for quite some time now due to the fact of the current results that you were getting beforehand with the original order, uh, which was George Springer, Bo Bichette. Vladimir Guerrero Jr., Teoscar Hernandez, and then the, the the middle to the bottom of the order is always kind of different here and there. Nothing was happening, and it got to a point where the discussion began to, I guess, arise about that. Changing the order, it happened earlier on in the year, then it kind of went quiet for a bit because the Jays went on that good run in April when they were beating teams like the Astros and the Red Sox a few times. And then now, I guess ever since the month of May started, we have been noticing the offense continues to stumble with hiccups from starting pitching in the bullpen from here and there which make it more noticeable, which brought the discussion back. And it finally happened on this on Saturday, and that's exactly what happened. You were talking about it. It was kind of influenced, or it was influenced, by the George Springer injury. And 
it wasn't surprising to see it. Um, I think, you know, on Friday when I did see the original lineup, though, I wasn't expecting it to happen this weekend. And I don't think, you know, I don't think the plan was for it to happen this weekend either until George Springer got hurt. So, or at least hurt for a few games where he missed a game uh, with an ankle sprain. So that's pretty much what Jigs uh, pretty much gave it the jump start. It finally happened. George Springer came back today on the Sunday game, and they stayed with that same order because on the Saturday game, you got results. You got that big inning later on in the game. You know, Danny Jansen, Teoscar Hernandez, both homer. You know, you have clutch singles here and there. You get to 5-1, something that you didn't see a lot or haven't seen a lot this year from this team. A four-run lead going into the ninth inning. Again, very rare you've seen that in terms of a run differential. So... You know, you figure that it went good the first time, and then you got you ride it with, or you go with again with the same lineup the next day with George Springer back. Minus Matt Chapman goes down to the bottom of the order. Matt Chapman was that that was his first game of his career leading off. So you know, you assume that they thought maybe that will jumpstart him a bit, get him some better at bats because he's been scuffling uh, since May started. He hasn't exactly been off to the greatest start at all, in particular as a season as a whole. But in terms of May, this has definitely been. Um, a tough stretch for him overall. I think he's batting well below 200 right now, so it's been rough for him at the plate. You figured, I guess you can understand maybe what the the move or the decision was. Of course, there was definitely other names out there that you could have done. You know, We know Ryan Tapia has let off a few times this year, and there's definitely some other names that you could have maybe tried, but um, they decided to go with Chapman at first, and then you roll with Spring on the Sunday game. So as it stands now, um, I think going back to or what we said last episode, is that this isn't the whole savior of this or of these problems. We know that a lineup change is not going to just drastically fix things. And the argument that I made and Jacob was also high on me with this is that you know, you just you need to change something or you need to try and change something because what you saw previously it wasn't cutting it and it got to the point where it just felt like you kept rolling if you kept rolling up with the same lineup every single day it just there was no end in sight in terms of this scuffle. So you come out Saturday, you make the lineup change. I mentioned the runs that they had. It was the big eighth inning, the four run eighth inning. Lord Escurial Jr. was the guy who had a couple or a single a clutch single in that inning. You feel pretty confident heading into Sunday. George Springer's back from his ankle injury. You know, you probably I didn't expect him to play today. I don't know if a lot of people did or not, but surprisingly he came back today. You figure he's back, the whole lineup, you can stick with the same or the new order that you put together, and you just didn't see it today. You're shut out for the third time this year, um, like you were mentioning before we even started recording, Mark. It's a match of last year already in the month of May. That's unacceptable. And you see it today, you struggle against the Rays, and another good start from Alec Manoa despite one sloppy inning defensively, which is the reason why he only had one earned run. And you couldn't capitalize on the Rays pitching. Um, it just—it was pretty much the same story uh, this game compared to what we've seen the entire year. Just not a lot of hits, not a lot of traffic on the bases. Only five hits today. You know, you leave four on base. You don't have a lot of opportunities with runners in scoring position. You go zero and three for that. And it just felt like a game again where in the previous game you see flashes. You—you you know, you maybe think maybe this is the end of it. Maybe starting to turn a corner, and then the next day you revert right back at it. So. That's kind of where we're at, and that's really the most we've seen, is we've seen one game kind of, and we saw it in the Cleveland series too, one of the games in the doubleheader. You have the big offensive explosion, and you're like, whoa, maybe this is it. And then the next game comes around, and you're right back to square one. So basically overall with this offense, I guess without, you know, uh, at the end of the series now over the course of three days, it really is kind of the same story. I mean, you put up two runs in game one. We know game two was the good breakout game, and today you got shut out. So... As much as you have a new order now, I don't know how long, I guess, the experimental window is for this. I assume, 
you want to ro- maybe roll with it again tomorrow and maybe throughout the next series. I don't know. Again, I don't know how long you ride with it if it doesn't work, but I think it's something that they have to try for the next couple of games because just because you get it for one game, it's not the end solution. And I think today's a prime example of that. There are still many issues with this order, no matter who's batting first, no matter who's batting second, third, fourth, and the list goes on. It still needs to be cleaned up overall behind the plate. And that is why I'm cautiously optimistic that we are going to eventually turn the corner. But at the end of the day, this order change still is not the the solution and the prime solution to fix all their issues. Because clearly with today, they got a lot of things to work out still. Yeah. Um, definitely stick with this lineup. I think, you know, we talked about it last episode, the pros and cons of changing a lineup. Changing the lineup once when the Blue Jays are in a slump like they have been, I don't think that's, you know, a cause for panic in the clubhouse, freaks players out, that type of thing. I think the players realized that they needed a lineup change. They did the lineup change. It's here to stay. I think if you get to the point where you're changing the lineup majorly twice over the course of three or four days, that's when you can start to get a sense of unease and a sense of panic where it's saying, we haven't put up the results, but it's only been three days and the front office the coaching staff doesn't trust us already. So I think you need to give it more time than just two games for sure. And I trust that the Blue Jays will. I don't think they're an impulsive front office. And we've seen them year in and year out. While other teams have been rolling with different lineups day in and day out. Um, I'll bring up the Yankees. The Yankees almost never have the exact same lineup. One day they'll have Anthony Rizzo leading off. The next day they'll have Brett Gardner leading off. The next day they'll have Aaron Judge leading off. It's different every single day, and that's how their organization works. But for the Blue Jays, the Blue Jays organization works by having the same fundamental lineup each and every day. And I think that I I trust that they're going to keep doing that over the next few days because I think they need to in order to avoid a sense of panic. And to be honest, like we've talked about previously, you don't have enough time to see whether this is working or not. Yes, it's been an incredibly frustrating most parts of two games you know the you have that positive eighth inning but for the most part outside of that the offensive production has been very similar but give it some time and I will say some silver lining in all this I don't know if you agree about this Bryson but I think the approaches that we saw at the plate overall outside of even that eighth inning were better with the new lineup I think we saw good at-bats from Matt Chapman knock the decision all you want to put him in the leadoff spot I think he had good approaches, he was patient, he saw some pitches, and he set things up for the next guys in the order. I think Lourdes Goriel Jr. had some good at-bats. Teoscar Hernandez obviously had some good at-bats with his homer that kind of set off that eighth inning. I think we saw improved at-bats. Even if the performance overall didn't improve by that much, I think the at-bats improved a little bit. So, I don't know if you agree with that, but I think that's one silver lining I'm taking away from all of this, knowing that You know, at the very least, the Blue Jays still aren't hitting. Like, you can talk about approaches all you want. You still got to put the ball in play. You still got to get hits, get runs. So, silver lining, maybe. Do you see it as a silver lining? Maybe, yeah. I I agree with you, though, on the the at-bats. Like, it it definitely seemed like Matt Chapman, as much as he went 0 for 5 in that game that you were talking about, he had a real, and you were even talking about it in our group chat, he had a lot of good at-bats. So, I think, you know, as much as he was at the leadoff spot, it was definitely only for a game or two. It was an experiment. Why not try it? It's a lot better than seeing Ryan Tapia lead off every day. And I like the change that it did bring, no matter if you do do agree with it or not. 
I was fine with it. And I also kind of had good inter- good vibes from the move because I just felt like with him at leadoff, it maybe was kind of a sign that George Springer wasn't going to miss much time. And clearly that was the case because he came back a game later. So that was fine with me on that one. And then in terms of the rest of the order, I just think, you know, we know that Bo Bichette, um, at the two spot, he had a really bad April. He's heating up now. He's a guy who had lots of experience last year at cleanup because Marcus Simeon was the one batting second. So that doesn't, I don't think that bothers him that he's, he's batting fourth and he's at the point now where he can afford to drop a little bit. Cause we were talking about that protection with Vladdy and kind of at the time, was he willing to move down or would they want him to move down with the struggles? Now you kind of f- feel comfortable with him moving down a little bit because of the way he's been swinging. And then you got, you know, Vladimir Guerrero Jr. Who's not exactly doesn't like hitting second. We know this, but at the end of the day, he can still play well out of the two hole. And it's a change. And Teoscar Hernandez is somebody that I think fourth or third, no matter what it is, he's fine with hitting in that order too. So I do think that the at-bats that we saw this weekend were definitely better. Um, but again, there's so much things that they still got to work out before we can finally be full out confident with this. And I guess I'll give you credit is that you think still, and I'm correct me if I'm wrong or if your opinions change, but this homestand coming up is potentially the six game stretch where we may see a little bit of that corner turning. So I'm interested to see on that one because I thought it was going to come this weekend. Clearly that was not the case, even though we had a kind of a promising game on Saturday, you have a, you have a six game homestand coming up. I originally thought at the beginning of this road trip, it was probably the best case for the team. You know, you go to Cleveland for four games, you got an opportunity to potentially win that series. You got a chance to get back at the Yankees. That didn't happen either. And then the tail end of this road trip, Tampa Bay, Tropicana Field, we know the Jays don't exactly play the best there. You maybe throw that into this weekend a little bit too as a mixture of the offense not uh, hitting well or whatnot. It's just that this team never really performs no matter who's been on this roster. They don't really perform well at Tropicana Field. So my original thought was that this road trip was good for them. They were going to kind of get going because at the end of the homestand, the previous homestand, is when we really started seeing this. It was the Yankee series where we really started seeing the results uh, with runners in scoring position. It really started to stand out. And that wasn't the case. This road trip didn't go the best for them. They come home for another six games. You got Seattle Mariners, who aren't exactly off to the greatest start either. They're a few games below 500. And then you got the Cincinnati Reds, who are the Cincinnati Reds, even though that they've been playing good baseball, actually, over the, the last week. They've been playing a lot better than what they've been playing, I guess, earlier in the month of April. But that's pretty easy to kind of excel because of the games that they won. And it wasn't a lot. So we'll see. I hope you're right, Mark. I hope this is the homestand because if this isn't the homestand to get going, I really don't know what it is. And if we do, if we go by another homestand where we don't see anything, now you're approaching the tail end of May. You're heading into June. I don't like it. I, I don't like it. So something's got to give over the next week. And again, it's a process, I think. It's going to take more than two games to figure this out, to really see the improvements. But I feel like the at-bats putting or that they're putting forward is something that is definitely op- or like it's definitely good to see. It gets you a, maybe a tidy bit optimistic, and I think the fact that the clubhouse still hasn't backed out on each other, I think they're trying to do everything they can to work through this. The confidence that they still have, despite it maybe not showing as much in terms of the energy in the dugout that we're not used to seeing, I still think there's confidence within that clubhouse, and I think that you know Alec Manoa said it best today. You know they know who they are. They know that there's a lot of noise outside, but they got to keep this in house. They got to figure it out, and once they all start clicking. We know that they're going to be lethal when that happens. And a lot of people around baseball still believe that. I mean, you were talking about um, assistant or sorry, just a certain executives within baseball who still see this team as the best team in the AL East. I think you mentioned it on our last episode, Mark. So there's still a lot of confidence in terms of the baseball world. And I guess within the clubhouse, it's just only a matter of time before it gives. 
it's just not ideal over the past, I guess, since May has started. You know, you had a great start. You have a great April. Now you're sitting one game above 500. Again, it could have been a lot worse this weekend because we talked about the scenario where they potentially could have been below 500. And thank God that wasn't the case. So, you know, the one thing that's been circled or checked off this notebook now is that they did the lineup change. There's not much you can really question anymore. Uh, they changed the lineup. And at this point, you just got to hope that the results that they eventually, hopefully they put up eventually, it comes because of the at-bats or the better at-bats that they had. Again, it's not perfect. There was a lot of at-bats today that weren't good in particular in this final game. But, you know, going back over the course of the Saturday game too, we saw it then. And that kind of makes you wonder if we're going to start seeing it a little bit more over the next six games. But unfortunately, that still hasn't been the case. And at this point, again, you're approaching the middle of May. You're approaching the end of May at the end of this homestand. You, you got to figure that it's going to slowly and slowly get better. So we'll, we'll see what happens with that. But I do think maybe a little bit of a silver lining for sure. Yeah, you can uh, tick lineup change off the list of the Blue Jays. Things the Blue Jays can do as solutions to their problems. And hasn't seemed like it's worked already. We still have to wait more time to see if it does work. But yeah, it's uh, they're, they're kind of running through the list of solutions right now. And that is, at least in the short run, not one of them. Um, you mentioned this upcoming homestand. Just the Blue Jays' luck that the Cincinnati Reds are heating up right as they're about to face them. And the Mariners as well. They just took their first series win on the road of this season. They won against the New York Mets on a check swing by Pete Alonso. That was a full count. If he hadn't have gone, it would have walked in the game-tying run. They called him out for it, and the Mariners won that game, delivering the Mets their first season loss, series loss of the season, and the Mariners their first series win on the road. Um, just the Blue Jays' luck. That is, they're about to face these teams. They are heating up. And I guess just kind of rapid fire, at what point, like if the Blue Jays go through this homestand and we get to the end of the homestand and it's still the status quo that we're seeing right now, is that the point to start panicking? I know we've said we're not panicking yet, and this is kind of the ebb and flow of a normal season, but if you go another couple series without anything, I I don't like to panic, but I think it might be time if you go another couple series without the offense hitting. I'm right there with you. If, if this doesn't slowly improve or we get the signs throughout the homestand, of course there's a chance we can be wrong and panic, and then all of a sudden they get going, but... Again, you're almost two months through the season at the end of this homestand. It's just, it's not ideal because at this point last year, we, we there's so many similarities to last year. You were mentioning the numbers, and this was something that was an issue last year too, heading into May. Runners at scoring position, that was obviously a flaw. But at the end of May, they got going, and that was pretty much um, the thing that was cleaned up. The only thing that wasn't cleaned up last year at that point was that the bullpen was still blowing games. So that's the only difference, I guess, uh, from last year when you're comparing it. And now another difference is if you finish the month of May like this, where the results still aren't showing, it, I, I would probably panic a little bit too. I mean, again, could be flat out wrong, and I, I hope to be wrong. I'm sure you hope to be wrong too. This is a topic where you want to be wrong, but... It's just we haven't seen anything, and it's just terrifying when you're seeing teams like the Yankees who are winning games left, right, and center. They won another series this weekend. You know, you're seeing the Rays who continue to play well. You're you don't again. You don't want to fall behind too early. I know it's too early for the standings, but you still don't want to make that big distance. And that's the only thing I, lo- I worried about a little bit. But I do think you know you got an opportunity this week, six game homestand to try and get going. 
we'll see. I mean, you're going to have, again, six games, a full series with this new lineup. George Springer is expected to be back in center field tomorrow, which is good news. So it appears they another, uh, the Blue Jays dodged a bullet with that one. And you still have your starting rotation going out who are pretty much for the most part pitching well. So that's where I stand on it. And it's kind of a guessing game right now. I mean, there's really no much, there's really no telling if we're going to be right or if we're going to be wrong by the end of this homestand. I mean, it's just when it happens, I feel like it's going to be just happen one game. And then from there, that's all they're going to need. And it's going to slowly and slowly transpire throughout the rest of the season. And, you know, at some point we're going to forget about this or this happening at the end of the year. So that's the case of when it does happen. The question is, is when does that start? And I think, unfortunately, we've been pretty much talking about predictions and all that since the end of April. And everyone's been flat out wrong since, you know, we figured, okay, they're in the month of May. They're going to start they're going to get going now and it just hasn't been the case it's another series gone where it hasn't been the case we said the same thing with Cleveland prior to that we said the same thing with New York we said the same thing with the Yankee the Yankees uh the last series of the previous homestand nothing so that's why at this point it's a guessing game without any sort of knowledge or facts of the I guess the whole thing ending and that's I think the part that worries me a bit now is just that we have no idea when this is going to happen. The only thing that people talk about is when it does happen and when, 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 and that's pretty much the only thing that people know is that when it does happen, they will be, they're going to be fine. But we just, we're not at that point yet. And you wonder how much more they can go doing this. I mean, you see it now, they're just hovering above 500. The run differential is ugly. Uh, the bullpen's had a few hiccups. The starting rotation has been good for the most part still, but we talk about it. The margin for error is so small, and you saw it today. Defensive miscues is pretty much one of the reasons why in the Sunday game where the Jays pretty much lost control. A couple throwing errors here and there, a wild pitch, a pass ball, no matter what you want to call it. Those are costly runs in a in a time where I guess runs could be a premium and um, they're hard to come by and you get shut out again. It's just very rare to see because we were talking about it. You didn't see it a lot last year. They've already matched the total in the month of May when they've only played 35 games. That's the part that gives me a little bit of a head scratcher there. So panic's the word that you hate to use. You don't because it's the last word you want to use and you don't want to use it. But it's just you go through another homestand and you see nothing. I I. I really don't know what to say. I mean, it's just you figure the approaches would change. I don't know how much things are really changing in terms of approach. Maybe they're kind of just riding off the the idea or the theory that once they get going, they're going to be fine. Or maybe they're trying to change things up behind the scenes that we don't know. It's just I truly wonder what's going on in terms of or what the coaches are thinking. And I just I truly wonder what they truly think. And how confident they are. I'm sure they are confident. That's not what I'm saying. Is I'm just I wonder the conversations they have and how much they're truly trying to tweak things, or they're just trying to ride this out. And when they get out of it, they're going to be set. So panic. It's definitely something that I'm going to have to revisit at the end of this homestand. But if it happens, if another six games go without results, it's you got to probably entertain that word. And it, you hate to do it. And I hope to gosh I'm wrong. And I hope so. It does seem unreasonable that we're in the month of May and we're talking about panic. But at the same time, the Blue Jays at the end of this series are going to be 42 games into the season. And that's getting to the quarter mark, a little bit past the quarter mark. Well over 100 at-bats. So, yeah, and 100 at-bats is kind of the point where you can start looking at a player's results and treating them seriously. So, yeah, I hate the word panic like you say I hate using it it implies a sense of 
irrationality, I think, to the way that we're thinking and viewing things as fans. But yeah, it's getting to that point. 100 at-bat threshold, the 40-game threshold, the quarter mark of the season, it's getting to that point. And you mentioned things happening behind the scenes. We know that there was a closed-door players-only meeting in Tampa Bay. George Springer led it, and I mean, we talk about ticking things off the list in terms of Blue Jays doing this to get the offense going, Blue Jays doing that to get the offense going. You can tick players-only meeting off the list, and it didn't work, so you're on to the next solution. And Again, we'll see what happens. Let's talk a little bit about the positives of this series. Hinjin Ryu and Danny Jansen both made their triumphant return to the lineup and to the rotation, respectively. Um, Ryu, on Saturday, had a what I would consider and what I think most people would consider a phenomenal start. 4.2 innings, 4 hits, 1 earned run, 1 walk, 3 strikeouts. By far, his best start of the season, and of course, coming off a very long injured list in about a month, a little bit less than a month on the injured list since he went down with an injury in New York, I believe it was. Very good to see him get back out there and perform the way he has, and we talked about the ripple effects on this team that some moves can have. I think having Ryu back in the rotation and pitching at the level we know he's capable of has a ripple effect in the fact that maybe it doesn't impact the rotation that much, but Ross Stripling moving to the bullpen and being a long guy there and meaning, okay, maybe you don't have to have Trent Thornton be the long guy in the bullpen. Maybe you don't have to rely on these guys who are fringe major leaguers who are riding the bus between Buffalo and Toronto. Instead, you can rely on someone who's been around for five, six years in the majors, who has put up good performance year in and year out. That's the biggest impact of this, I think. And of course, obviously, in the immediate, all always just good to see Ryu bounce back and hopefully has a performance that he can build off of and carry over into what we hope will be a bounce back season for him. And you need him to pitch well, because if that's not the case, you can't be sending him out every five days for a contending team. So... It didn't look good initially. First batter of the game, home run. A little bit of a worry there, but he settled down, like you said. For somebody who wasn't stretched out completely, which probably had an impact on the length of his outing, I think he threw almost 77 pitches, but maybe the Jays are just looking... Was 71, so there you go. And maybe the Jays are looking at it too, a couple times through the order, and you can hand it off to the bullpen. We know the scenario or kind of, yeah, the scenario of Ross Stripley piggybacking after him was always thrown out there because of the fact that he wasn't stretched out. But you see the ripple effect, like you were talking about, with the reinforcement to the bullpen that Ross Stripling's there. You saw Trent Thornton go down as the corresponding move for that. So, you know, you get a, a, an addition by getting Rod Stripling back. And like you were talking about a guy like Trent Thornton, all due respect to him, who goes back and forth all the time. It's a, a lot more ideal to have somebody like Ross Stripling as the long man in your bullpen, and it makes it a lot better. And Ryu, though, especially, you know, his stuff was a lot better. I mean, you saw it. He got a lot of whiffs, or a few whiffs, I should say, with this fastball and changing. But that's been the problem, because when he has pitched this year, he just hasn't been fooling anybody. And that was the same thing that you saw last year. And this year was off to a completely... It was even worse than we saw at the end of 2021. So that was the worry is that his stuff wasn't there. Who knows how hurt he was? I'm sure there was something that I'm sure there was something that was off with him for somebody who's on that much time or who spent that much time on the IL. He had a couple of things he had to clean up. He seems like he's healthy. He said a countless times that he feels good. He had a rehab start in Buffalo. And then, of course, he comes back now and pitches on the Saturday game and pitched well for the most part, despite only going four and two thirds. 
I'm fine with it, and it's definitely relieving to see it, though, because he comes out, he doesn't walk a lot of guys, you know, his hard hit, he wasn't giving up too many hard hits, a few here and there, but again, he was settled, he settled down after that first batter of the game, you got four and two-thirds out of him, and I'm not complaining one bit, because if he continues to pitch like that for the rest of the season, that's all you need out of a guy like Hunter Ryu, because you don't, we, we spoke about it so many times, is that you don't need him to be the ace anymore. As long as he can get, he can give you serviceable starts. He can give you innings. Hand it off to the bullpen for a few innings. That's completely fine. And if we see it again, um, what we saw on Saturday, I think we're going to be in a very good spot. And I'm sure as he continues to come back and stretch himself out even more, maybe perhaps depending on the start. Of course, you want to be very cautious, and you don't want to leave him in there for too long sometimes. But depending on the starts that he puts together. Maybe he goes a little bit deeper into the games. I think it's going to be something that's kind of monitored on a start-to-start basis. But for the most part, his stuff was definitely a little bit more effective, or a lot more effective, I should say, compared to what we saw in his few starts or his first two starts in April. So that was the thing that was definitely relieving for me to see. And with the, you know, the package that Ryu has because he hands it off to, or it just ripples to the bullpen, like you were talking about, because Ross Stripling now moves to the bullpen. You feel a lot more confident in terms of the bullpen, in terms of the long man of the bullpen. If there's a game where Ryu throws a lot of pitches or he's got to come out early on, again, he can come out, Ross Stripling can come out and piggyback him, and there's no issues there because we know that Ross Stripling can give you good outings as well out of the bullpen. It's something that he's pretty much been good at his entire career as somebody who's bounced back in terms of going from the rotation to the bullpen. It's nothing new to him, and I think that's obviously a really good sign. So we'll see. It's something that where for Ryu, we need this to be sustainable. We need to see more because, again, at the end of the day, we don't know what we're getting out of him. And that's, I think, the question mark. That's the, maybe, I wouldn't say the concern. I just think that's maybe the scary part a little bit is that you don't know what Ryu you're going to get. We've seen the good Ryu. We've seen the bad Ryu. And this weekend, we definitely saw closer to the good side of the Ryu. And he's going to have another start this week in this homestand. Hopefully, it goes pretty much as well, or if not better, as it did last Saturday. And I think the more starts he puts together where you know, you feel more comfortable with him on the mound, it's going to be, it's going to look a lot better for your rotation. And if you look at the rotation as a whole, we know the big three that they have. We're not too concerned with them at all, if, if any. And then, of course, Yusei Kikuchi is another guy who's starting to feel, it feels like he's turning the corner too. If Ryu and Kikuchi at the back end of your rotation give you good outings, the, the starting rotation isn't set, or maybe it is set, but it's not complete, but maybe it is set where you feel conf- or com- uh, confident and comfortable you know, heading into the middle part of the season. And I think once the offense gets going, again, you're going to feel a lot more confident with the rotation, and it just feels like you're going to get good starts all around, and I think that's obviously a really good thing. But for Ryu, we need to see more, and I think I pretty much speak for everyone when you see that, but Saturday was definitely a good starting point, and I don't think you can make any argument that it wasn't. Looking at the schedule ahead for the Blue Jays, It works out that Ryu is going to be making his next two starts on an extra day of rest, which we know is exactly how he likes to pitch. It works out. You look at the numbers. His splits are much better when he is pitching with an extra day of rest. After that, the Blue Jays have, it looks like, one off day in the middle of what amounts to quite an intense road trip and homestand. It looks like 15 to 20 games with only about one off day in there. Do the Blue Jays go back to a six-man rotation? We know they entertained it earlier this season with Ross Dribbling sliding in, and it just so happened that Ryu got injured at the exact same time. They've tried it before. Should they go back to it if they have the health to do it? This is a tough one. Um, (laughs) You don't seem convinced. (laughs) 
not that I'm not convinced. I just think s- things need to happen. And I think actually maybe one of the reasons for it to be entertained is if Nate Pearson's back by then. If Nate Pearson's back and he's in your bullpen, you probably feel a little bit more comfortable going to that six-man and Ross Stripling can kind of or be that guy. maybe Go ahead. D- depending how his rehab goes, oh, rehab, working back up from being yeah. out from mono, depending how that goes, maybe he's the guy who's in the rotation and Ross yeah. Stripling stays in the bullpen. Exactly. So if one of those two, or I should say both of those two, are on the roster, you can choose between one of those two, perhaps. You can entertain it. I don't know. It's tough to say because we know one of the reasons for it, a lot of it was the, I I don't want to say excuse, but a lot of it was the reason for, you know, the shortened spring training. These guys exactly weren't built up. And, of course, the way the J schedule shaped out at the beginning of the year, there was the one off day, and it was just loads of games to start off the season, and they were tough opponents. So we understand why at the time... That worked and why it made sense, although Hanjin Ryu pretty much wanted the the injury list, I think a day after it was pretty much set in stone. It's kind of the same thing in terms of the amount of games that they have lined up. You mentioned the off day. It's very similar in terms of games and the one off day than what you saw in April. So, you know, I actually didn't think of it um, in terms of going back to a six-man rotation. So I think you do bring up a good point. And as much as I'm not as confident it will happen as we saw in April... I'm not against it. And if they entertain it, I think it's definitely um, something that I can go by and I can live with because we know that Ross Stripling, again, in his time that he filled in for Hunjin Ryu in the rotation, he put up some pretty acceptable starts. And I think, why not? If you kind of don't want to manage the workload with your rotation. And, you know, I just think that Nate Pearson being back is going to maybe one of the pathways to that just because if you have both of those guys in the rotation, because we know that Nate Pearson's being built up as a starter. It's not like he's going to be coming out for one. Well, he could be coming out for one inning or not, but it feels like when he does come out, maybe the Jays want one or two innings out of him. So he stretched out. So if you have two of those guys in your bullpen and either one of them goes to the starting rotation, you have that one guy in your bullpen still. And I think that if Nate Pearson isn't back, then you kind of wonder if it's exactly a good idea. So maybe Nate Pearson is a big piece or a big reason for that to happen or not I think that him being back definitely gives you the flexibility to do it is pretty much what I'm trying to say makes you feel a little bit more comfortable if you want to do it regardless if it's stripling in the rotation or if it's Pearson in the rotation there's just the one thing we know and the one the only reason why I'm saying this is because he is being built up as a starter and that's the reason why he's still not up yet he's pretty much working his way through another spring training on his own he's going to be working his way up through Buffalo we know he's going to make rehab starts still so he's going to slowly work his way up from I guess, low A Dunedin. And then when he's ready, that pretty much improves your bullpen depth uh, to begin with. It's an internal reinforcement. We know that the bullpen itself isn't exactly complete and there's a lot of flaws in it. A lot of people talk about the swing and miss, the lack of swing and misses that the bullpen has. So you have to feel like there's going to be moves made to the bullpen eventually. But in terms of internal reinforcements, you just have Nate Pearson coming up. So when he's up, you have the flexibility to do it. The off days, again, are very similar to what we saw in April. I never thought of it, but I do think it's a, an idea that they should definitely entertain. And I don't know if maybe it's already planned ahead of time. Maybe it's something that they kind of think of as, I guess, the series approaches pretty much a week prior or whatnot. But I do think if it does happen, I'd be comfortable with it. Yeah, just to clarify, it is a stretch of 22 games in 23 days. So you don't need both of them in the bullpen. If they're both healthy, if Pearson is up there, I think it's something they should consider um and something that to be honest i would like to see because i think it works out for the guys that they have in the rotation who like getting that extra day of rest um 
Okay, so that's the Ryu side of things. Danny Jansen also came back on Saturday. He started that day, batted eighth. And I feel like Danny Jansen is so sneaky good. Like, you don't realize how good he is and what the Blue Jays were missing because his numbers don't jump off the page. Just looking at his baseball reference page, none of those stats are exceptional. But when you see him in a game, hitting and behind the plate, something about him just instills a sense of confidence in me. And I just trust the Blue Jays when he is behind the plate and in the lineup a whole lot more when it's a- than when it's Alejandro Kirk or Zach Collins or Tyler Heineman or any of those guys. And for the Blue Jays on Saturday, it paid off. He had two hits, one of which was a two-run home run, which was a huge um, boost for the Blue Jays in that eighth inning. Seemed like the crowning moment outside of that Teoscar Hernandez home run. Um, wasn't in the lineup today. The Blue Jays opted to go with Alejandro Kirk, whether that's a split thing, whether that's a rest and recovery thing. Who knows? Acceptable decision either way. But so good to see him back. And again, I I didn't know how much I was missing him until he came back and I saw him in the lineup and behind the plate and I realized how much I missed him. Yeah, and I think offensively too is the main point or one of the main reasons for this too, aside from his defense, because we know what he brings on defense and we know that he makes that catching position a lot more comfortable like you were talking about. We saw it. I mean, we went through Tyler Heineman, we went through Zach Collins, we went through Alejandro Kirk. And at the time when this injury happened, a lot of us didn't exactly know how they were going to shape up because Alejandro Kirk's a guy that's never played every day. You know, Zach Collins was a new guy that not a lot of people knew about right away. And then Tyler Heineman was pretty much only there because the Jays were going with three catchers at the start of the year and they continued to go with that route while Jansen was out. So that's why it created a lot of uncertainty as much as at the end of the day, I think it worked out. I think it could have been a lot worse without Jansen. And I think there was a lot of fear because of that. So the fact that the catching position managed to, I guess, hold itself together until he came back is definitely intriguing and definitely good because now that he's back and we know that he's definitely the core in terms of this catching group and he's very comfortable with all the pitches on this team. We know the Ryu effect and we know, you know, just with other guys on the staff is that he's very comfortable and he is that guy behind the plate. So that's the one part. And the other part is that this is a guy who ended off 2021 hitting the ball really well. And it's something that we were talking about because last year he was pretty much on the other hand of a couple of hamstring injuries and he had a really slow start in terms of April and May. But as the warmer months approached before, I guess, both of his injuries or, you know, his injury and then in between before he got hurt the second time is that he was hitting the ball really well despite the small sample size. So when that did happen, you kind of felt like as much as it was definitely bad timing, you saw that he was seeing the ball better offensively. And this is a guy who, for the most part, like you were talking about, his numbers haven't jumped off the page. And that's why he hasn't exactly been a threat offensively. But we started seeing this throughout the course of last year. And then in the month of September, I mean, that was pretty much the the month where he played almost the most besides May. And May was a month where he struggled. And then in September, he was hitting over 300. uh, Pretty sure an OPS of 1,072. He was getting on base. He had five home runs in the month of September, 17 RBIs. So going into 2022, this was also a guy where we felt like because we saw this in September, and I know September numbers can always kind of be tricky to kind of interpret from, but there was cautious optimism that it would carry over to this year, which would be even better because of the the lineup that they have despite the offensive struggles. But the talk of the offseason was how how good this lineup was shaped out to be. And if Danny Jansen at the bottom of the order can pretty much perform similar to what he did in September 
it's going to be even better. And then this year comes around, he has a couple good games to start off the year, a couple home runs, and then the oblique injury happened. And then he comes back, and then he hits a home run and picks up right where he left off on Saturday. And I think that was definitely a great to see, and I think gave us all confidence that this is still something that can happen in terms of him hitting well offensively. And again, we know the de- the defense that comes with it, which is why I'm not touching on it too much because we know how effective he is behind the plate. It helps. I mean, the lineup officially is now all back. Even with George Springer being back now, you have Teoscar Hernandez back. You have Danny Jansen back for the bottom of the order. There's no more excuses now. Uh, you have all your pieces back. They're going to take a couple games to settle in. Clearly, Danny Jansen only needed one game, but I'm sure he's still going to need a couple games to get going. He's not exactly going to be perfect every game. And we've seen Teoscar Hernandez as a guy that's also needed time. So the importance of him behind the plate is one thing, but... For an offense who's trying to get out of this rut that they've been in, it's definitely a helpful piece that he's at the bottom of the lineup and he's contributing because he picked up right where he left off after the first couple of games in April. And you got to be a tad optimistic that he's going to continue this uh, offensively as well as the rest of May goes on and, of course, defensively as well. So I think that this was an injury that was big, like a bigger cost than what we thought of at first because I think at first we were, as much as we were bummed out about it, how he got off to such a great start, I don't think we realized how important he was on this team during his absence until it kind of progressed and progressed. And then when he comes back, you notice that this was a guy that they clearly missed. And the fact that him and Teoscar Hernandez are back now, all they got to do is get going offensively. And that's all it comes back to at the end of the day. All roads lead back to the offense, no matter what we talk about. No matter how much we try to steer clear of it sometimes. Always gets back to that offense, and I feel like we're going to be talking about it till the end of the season if nothing changes as things stand right now. Okay, I want to get to some listener responses because we put out the call, as always, for thoughts on this series, and uh, a couple of funny responses. Spencer just said painful. James just said sad. They're not wrong. Ethan, <laughs> Ethan said clownery, which is a new one. I haven't heard that one before. Um, and then we did get a positive response from a listener named Bryson, actually. Not this Bryson, but Bryson Cordero. He said, IMO the Jays <laughs> IMO the Jays tried their best, just gotta stay positive and take it one game at a time. So there's a couple different sides of that on and on Twitter we had Richard talking about runners in scoring positions, said it kills them as an offense, which we know we've talked about endlessly. It is what's killing them and it continued to kill them. This series, they had bases loaded at points and weren't able to do anything with it. So that's another point that we're hammering home. And again, you go back to that checklist of things to do if you're struggling. And the Blue Jays are running through the ideas, but they're running out of options. And personally, I still think Dante Bichette should be on that list. And uh, I guess we saw him with the team in Florida because he was coming to see Bo play. But I think he should be on that list and something that the Blue Jays should consider at some point. Um, okay, before we wrap it up, series predictions for this upcoming three-game set against the Mariners. I'm in such a big rut. Every time I predict them to win the series, it doesn't happen. It's the hope that kills you. It is, and I'm so optimistic along with the people who remain. I know a lot of people are pretty much saying this team sucks, this team sucks. I'm sure you see the same thing all over. But, of course, there's still some people who are optimistic and are patient like I am, as much as I'm frustrated with this offense along with everybody else. You know, you were talking about it. The Mariners are starting to play better as much as they're three games below 500. The Jays, on the other hand, 
are still kind of in a downward spiral as much as we feel like eventually they're going to get out of this. Um, I'll, uh, I'll do this again, and I'm, I'm going to do this again, that they win the series. This is it, the start of the homestand. They win two out of three. Um, you know, you have Yusei Kikuchi against his former team tomorrow night. You have Jose Barrios on Tuesday. But then you got Kevin Gosman on Wednesday, and I think Logan Gilbert is one of the be- pretty much the best pitcher that the Jays are seeing this series from the Mariners. He starts the Tuesday game, so he, it's Barrios and uh, Gilbert on the Tuesday game. That's going to be a tough game, I think. And then I think that on Monday and Wednesday, it's a lot better in terms of, I guess, who the Jays match up against. And I'm confident that Yusei Kikuchi is going to get back at his former team. I'll say two out of three series win. Something's got to give. Okay. Uh, my gut is telling me one of three, but previously on this podcast, I have said that this series against the Mariners is going to be when the offense wakes up. I don't believe that anymore, but I said it, so I'm going to stand by it and I'm going to say two of three. I don't think it's going to happen, but I'm going to say it just for the sake of my former self who said it was going to be the time that the offense wakes up. So we'll see. We'll see. I can't get any worse, right? That's what I mean. That's like, what I mean. And something's going to turn eventually. So maybe the homestand is what they need. Okay? I thought they needed the road trip. That was wrong. <laughs> you got the new lineup. Start of a homestand. Let's let's go. This is it. This is it. Hopefully. And Yeah, hopefully. <laughs> like, I don't know. We just had a Springer injury scare. Like, it can't get any worse. It can't get any worse. I I hope. Um, okay, well, thank you to everyone who listened to this episode. Thank you to everyone who has listened to any of the past 199 episodes. And thank you again to Sarah for designing our new logo and cover art. And we're very excited to welcome in this new era of Section 138 podcasts. Um, as always, you can find us on social media at Section 138 Pod. That's on Twitter and Instagram and TikTok. And you can share your thoughts with us, with us there. You can also give us a rating and review on our podcast on iTunes, on Apple Podcast, and on Spotify. All right, three against the Tampa Bay Rays. Oh, it has to improve. We'll catch you next time. <laughs>